It's Jess, and this is The Podling, a podcast that's exploring what linguistics looks like inside and out of the classroom, starting with our very own professors here at Western. In this episode, I got to talk with Professor Janet Shing. She's currently on sabbatical and working on some fascinating research informed by the challenges that students face when learning a new language, especially one with a writing system that they're not familiar with. We also talk about how the experiences of her students inform that research, which in turn shapes the structure of her future classes. We also talk about some fears that students might have with taking certain classes, but why they don't have to worry. We show up to linguistics classes to learn the tools and the ideas of the discipline, not to arrive already completely informed. Where would we find the joy in learning otherwise? Thank you to Graham Blair for cooking up this episode's transcript. And now, on to the interview. so excited to talk to you. I'm really grateful to have you on the podcast. Thank you for being here. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. How has your spring quarter been so far? Well, actually, this is, I'm on sabbatical leave. I'm working mm-hmm. on research projects, a couple of research. Um, uh, at this point, um, I just uh, finished um, a project about uh, um, the the interface between Chinese writing system and the Chinese ideology, and then I also com- compare the 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 Chinese cultural tradition with the, the Western um, counterpart. Or um, it's a pretty interesting uh, research topic by far. That I think is the most uh, interesting um, project that I have worked on. So. Oh wow, that sounds incredible! Uh, would you tell us a bit more on how that project got started? Yeah, that's, um, thank you for asking. Um, the, the idea came from teaching um, students the Chinese characters because it has a logographic writing system, which is very, very different from alphabetical mm-hmm. uh, languages. And it also it is infamously the most difficult element for students to learn. And I tried to, over the years, try to figure out what is the most effective ways um, uh, to help students to learn Chinese characters. Um, So if you dissect the character, pretty much you can divide it into two components. One is the semantic element, the other is the phonetic. So the sound and the meaning. So almost majority of Chinese characters are consist of two parts. So the semantic components and the phonetic components. And we normally at the first year level, we teach students the semantic components because that it is easier. The semantic components derived from pictographic uh, uh, characters. So you you look at, it it look like the character look at a pic, look like a pictures. 
And uh, it's easier if you look at a circle with a little dot or something in there, it looks like a sun. So that way student can relate to the meaning of that character um, to the form. And uh, we start with that. And for uh, native Indo-European language students, they learn alphabet, but alphabets, 26 letters, they're very abstract. And, and for instance, the A, B, C, D, why they sound A, B, C, D, A for A, but why A is ball. And so it is, it's very abstract, mm -hmm. but the, the, the difference is you just have to memorize these 26 letters and then piece them together uh, into a word. And th that structure also abstract, you have to memorize each word. In Chinese, on the other hand, you pretty much piece the different pictures together. We call it pictographs. So you put the sun and the moon, two pictures together, it means bright. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah. So the sun and the moon, it means mm -hmm. bright. And also you, you put the woman and child picture mm -hmm. together, it means good. So in Chinese cultural and cognitively, if a woman give birth to a son, that considered good. Gotcha. Okay. Something like that. So I, I've been trying to figure out um, how to teach all these different uh, component, uh, different different pictographic forms, so that a student can learn it more effectively or efficiently, mm -hmm. and and uh, and that part I think I've been figured out already. In recent years, I realized actually that the the characters not just reflect the meaning, but more importantly, kind of a uh, encode Chinese characters, traditions, ideologies, mm -hmm. and things like that. And, and then I try to compare that to Western ideas, traditions, and see the similarities and differences. So it's 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 definitely a fun process to work on. And the subtopic touch upon spirituality and uh, the personification mm -hmm. and uh, the the, uh, the other day I was buried uh, with materials about uh, what uh, the dogs and pigs mean in Chinese cultural versus Western culture. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. It sounds it. I I love learning about how people and the professors at Western here are looking at better ways to learn language. Like that's, I think, the most incredible thing. It's so interesting to figure out how our brains pick up on the systems that we have in place because our brains made those systems in the first place. Right. So it's very cool to see like yeah. how they enter back in. Yeah, especially when that system fully entrenches in your the whole system and it's very hard to look at a, a different system uh, from different perspective. And that's what we call native language interference in the second language yeah. acquisition. It's always interfere our learning one way or another. Yeah. So we have to minimize it and figure out how to minimize those uh, difficulties. Yeah, that's awesome. It'll be really cool to see how that research in turn shapes your language instruction. Uh, but before we get too in-depth, 
Would you please tell us a bit about your background, uh, what you've studied, your research specializations, and your roles at Western? Anything else you'd like to add? I received my BA degree in English language and literature in China, and a PhD uh, degree in linguistics from the University of Michigan. My dissertation is about the interface between syntax and discourse analysis.、Um, I was hired by Western to teach mostly. Chinese language courses with one or two linguistics or linguistic-related courses. It's awesome that you get to teach both the language and the linguistic analysis of it too.、Uh, how did you become an educator of Chinese and linguistics? I was a, a TA、uh, for both linguistics and Chinese、uh, courses when I was at、uh, University of Michigan. And my research interest has always been in comparative studies between Chinese and Indo-European languages. So it it is natural career for me to pursue after I graduated from Michigan. Oh, absolutely. So when you'd studied English language and literature, had you already been intending to pursue linguistics further? Well, I have to admit. That linguistics was not my first choice when I applied for graduate school. I wanted to get into a law school, but no law schools would give me any scholarship. So I had to choose linguistics at the University of Michigan that offered me TA ship、uh, and combined with RA ship. Uh, to cover the expenses for my PhD degree throughout、um, the five years、um, when I was there. Well, it turns out that I really like linguistics and I'm good at it. To me,、uh, linguistics data are like puzzle pieces or a mystery that I love to solve. Now I'm so pleased that I chose linguistic over law, thanks to the University of Michigan. I love that you described linguistic data as puzzle pieces.、Uh, I feel the same way about linguistic data and even other systems and disciplines that linguistics has been linked to, or might eventually be linked to. You know, it's the way that same puzzle building approach can be mapped on to consider all the pieces available and. Also, what happens when other pieces are thrown in or taken out? So we got to hear about your fascinating current research project, and you'd mentioned more long-term work in comparative linguistics. Would you tell us more about the broader scope of your research interests? My research topics can be roughly divided into two major areas.、Um, one is historical linguistics. Uh, specifically, grammaticalization, which explores the evolution or pathways of grammatical items, such as particles, prepositions, conjunctions, or model auxiliaries. How these grammatical、uh, items developed from lexical item items, such as nouns and verbs. 
My second research uh, interest is on second language acquisition. Since my primary teaching responsibilities at Western has been on Chinese language courses, I have had a lot of opportunities observing and collecting data from different levels of Chinese courses on how students acquire this infamously known as the most difficult foreign language. Thanks to my students, all my published work, whether they're journal articles or books, on Chinese uh, language acquisition pedagogy are based on the data collected from my classes. Additionally, a large uh, majority of my published work are uh, in comparative nature, uh, regardless of whether they are on grammaticalization or second language acquisition. In other words, I can compare or contrast the similarities and differences between genetically unrelated and typologically different languages such as Chinese and English to see how they evolve from old linguistic patterns to modern or new linguistic patterns, or how students of different linguistic backgrounds acquire the proficiency of a foreign language. I would also like to add that uh, I have really enjoyed doing research in both grammaticalization and second language acquisition. If you ask me to compare these two areas, I may say that um, second language acquisition is my career, but grammaticalization is my passion. Oh, I love that. And I think it's so cool how you've got the progress of your classes informing how they'll evolve in the future so it's never static. And I can imagine it makes all of the future classes that much more exciting too, both to teach and to take, um, especially with language classes. And like, truthfully, I don't think I've ever had a language professor who is anything less than max level excited to be teaching that language, even if they've been doing it for like years and years. But it's still... So cool that you've got your classes and research mutually developing each other. So you've covered some really interesting ground in your research and in your teaching. I'm wondering, what's a standout change you've seen in the field of linguistics during your time in it? During or even right after I graduated from University of Michigan, that was in the 80s and early 90s, it was prevalent to do research in the framework of uh, Chomsky's structuralism. Under the premise of um, all human beings share the same principal linguistic structure, uh, regardless of uh, social cultural differences. So back then, very few researchers in the U.S. were interested in or serious about functional linguistics because it was considered less theoretical or even uh, less linguistics. But now, if one surveyed the field, um, the pattern uh, is quite different, um, if not reversed. More and more people are interested in typological variations. Oh, yes, yes, definitely. I 
think learning about those shifts in the presence of structuralism and functionalism are so important to learn about. Uh, I think as students, it's really easy to become enveloped in how the topics within the discipline are analyzed and taught in the present, and then forget that what people in the field of linguistics hold as important or interesting is still fluid, how they approach those things. That's all still very fluid. What's a change you'd like to see in the field? I like the change that has already happened or is happening. I think now the field is more well-rounded with people being interested in different sub-disciplines of linguistics. I would, however, like to see more researchers and students of linguistics alike um, become more acute to linguistic variations um, between genetically unrelated and typologically different languages, such as isolating languages versus inflectional languages. Mm, yeah. To continue expanding that well-roundedness of the subdisciplines, like you mentioned, and then, of course, the languages that people study within them. So, moving toward your work as an educator at Western, what's something that can be challenging about teaching linguistics? Over the years, it appears that my Western, actually many Western um, students have shone away from my Chinese linguistic courses. It's likely, or at least I was told, because they don't know Chinese. I don't blame them for the limited information they have about Chinese. And it is true that Chinese has a a completely different sound system and a writing system from English. That said, I would like to use this opportunity to um, ask a student who might be interested in comparative linguistics, Chinese linguistic or uh, second language acquisition, to consider when they choose courses uh, in a broader sense that the benefit from taking a Chinese linguistic course, um, it could literally open one's mind to the world of linguistics, I would say that. While the, the course itself does not require students to do more than any other similar courses here at Western. Right, right. I think that's such a good way to frame it. Um, I definitely think that not having in-depth familiarity with the language creates this hesitation toward linguistic analysis of that language, and it's intimidating. Um, but at the same time, studying languages without already knowing them is like the backbone of our core classes in the major. Uh, we spend lots of time on lots of languages that many of us don't know, and not knowing the languages hasn't prevented us from succeeding at that. Like, all of the practice puzzles and textbook examples and homework problems we do in any of the classes, these are never just in English, and I think the professors in the department are really awesome at showcasing examples across language families, too. And even having that array of examples presented to us, I think it's encouraged me to pursue group and individual projects that challenge me, like 
from having those examples given to me, I don't stick to languages I've learned or know even like a little bit about. Um, I think a majority of the languages I've looked at for assignments have used like different writing systems than, you know, the one that I use every day. And you learn so much from that kind of challenge. So it's confirmed here, folks. You do not need to be intensely familiar with Chinese to take Chinese linguistics with Professor Shing. So if it sounds interesting to you, you should definitely take it. I'm also wondering, what's something you love about teaching linguistics? Well, I feel like that I know a little bit more about linguistics than students. And I hope to help them develop an interest, um, just like how my professors at the University of Michigan did to me. Oh, I love that. I think the educators who have that mindset at the forefront, like that paying it forward sort of appreciation for what they teach, uh, those educators easily make some of the biggest impacts. So, Professor Shing, we are nearing the end of our questions, but I've got two more. The first is, if you could bring back a class or create a class on any topic, as broad or as narrow as you want, what would it be? In my case, thanks to Dr. Kristen Denham, the director chair of the linguistic program now is the department. I created a seminar course a few years ago. The rubric is Linguistic 431, uh, Grammaticalization. Um, this is a dream course I wanted to teach because it's closely related to my research. And um, I'm very grateful to Dr. Denham, who made it possible. Oh, yeah. I've seen the grammaticalization class, the 431, pop up in the catalog while I've been at Western. And it sounds really cool. And like, I remember feeling intimidated by it at first when I learned it was offered. But it's only because I wasn't very familiar with what grammaticalization is. But I'm so glad that you gave us that description earlier when you mentioned it's one of your research interests, that it's like that exploration of the evolution of different grammatical items and then the changes in their functions. This one kind of oversimplifies it, I think. But it'd be like how I am going to becomes I'm gonna and what functions all of the grammatical items in there now serve from that change. Um, it'd be so awesome to see that class come back around, especially because, like you said earlier, grammaticalization is your passion. So taking a class on something from a person who's really invested in it is just such a wonderful experience. I'm so happy you brought that class up. And for the last question, Professor Shing, what's an awesome gift you've received? A linguistic friend and a colleague from the University of uh, Ohio State University once gave me a magnet, uh, like a, a traffic sign for crossing. The word crossing spelled the same as my last name, X-I-N-G. I thought it's pretty cute. I like it a lot. Oh, that is really cute. That's such a clever gift. I love that. Well, thank you so much for being on the Podlink, Professor Shing. I really appreciate talking to you and hearing about what it's like, what your experience of working in linguistics has been. 
It's pleasure. Thank you for asking the questions. Very excellent questions. Thank you very much. Bye bye. Bye.